Okay, it is May 26, 2022. Yeah, babe? I do have Gary on here. I have them on here. All right. In fact, uh, pretty close to the top, uh, our friend Gary, <clears throat> for continued healing and blessings. Uh, we had a visit the other day. He is hopeful that all will be behind him soon with those treatments. Uh, Savannah, a friend of mine's daughter, needs blessings and healing. Marta and Charles, Reverend Davis and family, Chuck Knipp and his daddy Randolph, John and Ruby, and Vassie and Linda, they're friends of the study and friends of the Bible study podcast, Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, and other unsaved family members, uh, a Memorial Day event, let people understand what it's meant to be, not just flipping burgers and a long weekend, to think about the ones who got them the freedom that they're enjoying, as short-lived as that may be here now, but um, praying for the Ukraine and its people. Grandchildren, Mark Sanders, the new baby, Eric, Rex, Ted, Reverend Davis and family, the Texas shooting uh, victims of the family, unsaved family members, Ray and Judy, and praying for lost souls and um, praying for the something in DC the whole bunch of folks. bunch up there yeah and pray against the enemy it's killing children that's why Satan is here <coughs> steal to kill to destroy Carolyn Eanes Tobelman mm -hmm. and um CC the the shop that right that yeah yeah the cabinet shop cabinet shop yeah the fella he needs prayer and um, and our uh, military and yes our police our children our grandchildren mm -hmm. yes fellow we prayed for Brian Thomas uh, some time ago yeah a while we prayed. They did an MRI and his uh, uh, tumors mysteriously disappeared. Brian Thomas. Well, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear it, but uh, Glenna got her job back at the library. Good. So thank you. That's great to hear. I like to hear, you know, positive yes. things and praise thank reports. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are a God who answers prayers. We thank you for the assembly here, and we know you've heard the prayer list read, and we praise you, Lord. We just want to be near you. We feel as though the days are counting down for life as we know it, and even perhaps for our own nation. But we know that there has been much evil that's gone on, at the hand of our government. It's just hard, Lord, to even ask you to bless our country anymore. But let me ask for the sake of the believers and those who are yours that have mercy on us. Right. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Open up to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Get 
this prayer cord up. Chapter one, a little short. I really wish my camera would do right. It will not. No, I, that that is the scariest thing that ever happens to me. It's when I go to take a picture and it's got my face right there. It's always like such a bad angle too. You're like, oh. Ah, I scared myself. Okay, sure. I just think I, I wish I had a better phone with a better camera. I see these new phones, the cameras are just crazy good. I mean, they're better than than like professional cameras were. They're honestly even better than professional cameras are now. We were on East River Mountain Overlook, and there's a house surrounded by wood. You can barely see it. And my buddy's got a phone that's got like five cameras on the back of it. And he zoomed in, and you can see the people sitting on the front porch. It's insane. Technology. What's the Megapix up to now? I don't know. You know? Okay, chapter one of Acts. Now Luke is the apostle who wrote down the words that the Holy Spirit gave him for the book of Acts. He writes, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. He's speaking to, I guess, one of these dignitaries named Theophilus. That's uh, one of Turbo's names, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's His full name is Turbo Theophilus Bearhead Jr. You like that? Next week, that's all I have to say. Next week? Continue. Huh? Continue. Now, I'm going to be worried about that. But we don't call him Theophilus. Okay, verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he gave the apostles, um, through the Holy Ghost, he gave directions. He told them, this is what you will do. I am obviously going to assume that Part of that was for them to write down the Gospels. Uh, many believe that the Gospel of Mark is really Peter's Gospel. And um, that I guess Mark wrote it down for Peter's sake. And then you've got Matthew, Luke, and, and John. <clears throat> okay. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. The water baptism, and it's still good today to uh, show your dedication to the Lord, but that doesn't save you, and you don't have to have a water baptism to be saved. 
Uh, although I understand why most people want to go ahead and do that. I did. I know that. Um, know the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what saves. That is, the Holy Spirit puts the seal on the believer. And you start seeing changes in your life. You look back at even, you know, a month or two prior and ways you may have thought about things. And then you've changed your mind or your point of view. Um, let's open another window or two if we could. Pretty comfortable outside. Well, Toby's got white hair, white, white hair starting to grow on his nose. He's Does he? Old. Yeah, he'll be eight in August. That's crazy. Yeah. I hadn't noticed the nose. Okay. Um, verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? This is just showing you where their minds were. Like, let's go ahead and get this done. Let's go ahead and kick these Romans out of here. Let's get it all set up and, and your kingdom, your kingdom here on earth. And they expected a kingdom to come. He told them in the example of how you should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 7 says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of sight, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Well, there's the promise that Jesus Christ will come back out of the clouds. He went into the clouds, he will come back out of the clouds. You see that happening in Revelation. Verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotos. How's that say? Zealot. Yeah, Simon the Zealot. Zealotus in this uh, King James and Judas the brother of James. The, that's not Judas Iscariot. These all continued 
with one accord in prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Um, why are they not the same thing? Um, prayer is honoring God, worshiping God, saying the same thing as God would say or have you say. Supplication starts after the prayer. And you see that in the... It's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's what it is. It's really an example because Jesus didn't need to ask for forgiveness for his trespasses, right? He was given an example. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You come to prayer honoring God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You don't bring your laundry list to the front. Also in uh, Philippians 4, where it says, Be anxious for nothing but all things with prayer and supplication yes. with thanksgiving. Yes. So you really, there's an order to it. So the prayer is honoring God, worshiping God, recognizing that God's word is true, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, and then the supplication. Give us this day our daily bread. I need something to eat. And forgive us our sins or our debts or our trespasses, depending on the uh, translation. Forgive us those trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you don't forgive, you do not get forgiven. The Lord has said that. He's written that. More than a place or two. You must forgive in order to be forgiven. You must become Christ-like, and Christ forgives. He forgives. And we're all living proof that He does. He's long-suffering toward us. He suffered toward me for close to 40 years. And he still does. He still puts up with the things that I involve myself in that I shouldn't. King David talked about sins and iniquities. And there's another one of those things. So you got prayer and supplication. You got to know the difference. Well, what's the difference between sin and iniquity? And I looked into it, and I, be I believe God gave me the answer. Sin is just bugs on the windshield, couldn't help it, you know. You, you pulled out in front of me, and uh, I, you know, I got angry. We, I guess, was it yesterday about saw that road rage battle on the interstate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was getting ready to get the popcorn. They finally settled down, thankfully. But that one guy was in front telling the one behind him he was number one. And they was just whipping around in traffic like a bunch of brats on a go-kart track. 18-wheelers running all around them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sin. You looked at someone and you immediately thought a bad thing. Or you immediately thought judgmental thing. Well, that woman's got tattoos. She's probably on drugs. You don't know that. 
All kinds of people have those today. But you thought the wrong thing. You know, you see a man with a six-pack of beer coming out of the store. He looks a little tattered. And you say, there's why. There's why you're down on your luck. All you do is drink it up. That's sinful. You need to repent of that. What's an iniquity? This is my thought after thinking and really seeking the truth. Iniquity is premeditated sin. Sin in the first degree. Let's go back to King David. He didn't accidentally commit adultery with Bathsheba. And he didn't accidentally have her husband killed. You know? I feel like I got a bug in my shirt. Maybe. Um, he premeditated it. And he did it. So, there's your iniquity. And then it seems that iniquity is more serious than sin. Because this was a deliberate thing that you plotted and planned to do with full knowledge that it was against God's will. It was a sin. A premeditated sin. Carried out. So Jesus will return from the clouds like he went into the clouds. Verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day I had already read that, I'm sorry. Where did I stop? 15, I'm sorry. Verse 15. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. And it does say about. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. There's the word, iniquity. He planned to betray Christ. He didn't accidentally do it in a moment of confusion. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Some people say, well, he fell headlong. Well, I thought he hanged himself. What is it? When you you know uh, when you hang when you die, the body um, yeah yeah and I unfortunately got a up close and personal view of that, but the rope isn't going to hold that body at that point. It'll start coming apart, and he falls and bursts open. Nineteen. And it was known unto all the dwellers in Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue. Somebody got a verse, or a Selda, a Seldoma? Yeah, a Seldoma. That is to say, the field of blood. I can, I can say that. I can read that. 
It is a hard word, though. Yeah. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. They're, they're trying to replace um, Judas here. They wanted 12. Now, we know now the 12th apostle was Paul. It, and they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Where'd you go? What's that? What's going on? Probably just my stomach's a little bit messed up right now. Did you eat too much? I don't think so. I didn't actually have that much. Do you need some soda water? No, I'll be alright. Never heard from heard from Matthias again, though, did you? No. I don't think yeah. so. Um, you know, um, never mentioned him. Paul comes in and fills that slot, but they were not grun going around all twelve together anyway. They were going to different places, different parts. Chapter two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now Pentecost is Pentecost 50. 50 days after the, the, you're in the spring feast, the, uh, you have um, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then First Fruits. The First Fruits, um, that was fulfilled by the Lord himself. And 50 days later is Pentecost. In, in uh, Leviticus 23, when the feasts are being described, the, the Pentecost is the first feast, and I guess the only one, that says, make the bread for this feast using leaven, using yeast, which is strange because the others were not. You use unleavened bread. Leaven or yeast is a picture of sin. Well, this feast is going to be celebrated and kept with leaven in the bread. And after you realize the reason for this feast, you know that it is the uh, beginning of the church. Well, the church is full of what? Sinners. So the bread's got leaven in it. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were 
and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, which is Holy Spirit in later translations, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This tongues thing is debated over and over. And Genesis 11, I think it is, uh, you have the Tower of Babel. And there's where it says God confused the languages of all the people. And what you have here with the spirit gift of speaking tongues is you're speaking a heavenly language that every human being can understand. It's a different thing. That, that had to be a gift because by this point in world history, there were many languages. We'll see this in a moment. Verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Well, there is exactly the answer to what tongues is. It's for. Huh? That's what for. it's for. To... So these people that speak different languages can... When you're in a congregation of all English-speaking people, the most effective language that you can speak is English. Probably, probably. Now, I mean, you know, there are times when tongues could be a real thing and somebody's just showing I have this, but there has to be an interpreter. And you see this violated all the time. Somebody goes, sha la 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 ding dong see my tie, see my tie. Um, and no one interprets it. No one interprets it. Or there is, to. yeah, that's so true, somebody pretends to. There's such a thing. There is a spirit gift of tongues. And Paul addresses that in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, I'm glad I can speak in tongues more than any of you can. Of course, now, Paul was out traveling about encountering people you know so in a way it's certainly possible and worth considering that okay let's say you got a fast car you know and you take it to the racetrack see what she'll do or you can burn rubber in the parking lot up there at the food line and there is no point and burning rubber in the grocery store parking lot. You're wasting tire life, but you're showing off. You're, you're just like, look what I got. Let me show you what I got right here. And I, well, didn't go very far. Covered two or three parking spaces there, and your tires are smoking. And that, was, that was fun. It's like watching fireworks up in smoke. You really ought to take that and use that somewhere designed for a race car. Take it to Elk Creek. So I think a lot of these folks, you know, it, even if it's real, even if it's real tongues that you have this spirit gift of, just doing it in the church, Paul discourages that in 1 Corinthians 14. He says... I'd rather speak five intelligible words in the church than 10,000 in, in some unknown tongue. 
I mean, that says a lot, doesn't it? He's saying communicate with each other. But in chapter 2 is the exact reason for tongues, for that spirit gift. It still needs to be used today. Uh, Ted Mary uh, seems to have had an example of this uh, when he was ministering at the truck stop up there in Fort Chiswell. This French guy just started telling him, I don't know what you're saying. I don't speak English. And Ted tried to say, well, okay, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize that you didn't understand me. And the guy all of a sudden understands him. And they're talking, and it's a friendly thing. Now, was that tongues? It could have been. It could have been on both of their parts so that Ted could tell him about Christ and invite him to the meeting. Now the skeptic was like, oh, the guy just didn't want to be bothered, so he pretended he couldn't speak English. But the way Ted described the remainder of the encounter, it doesn't sound like the guy was being that way. Who knows whether that was a case of real tongues or not. There are cases. But there, there you know, the Lord calls on you. The Holy Spirit says, you, you're going to use this gift to tell this person something. I have a message for them. Who knows what it could be? You meet a person on the on the highway somewhere, and they they speak Spanish, and you don't. And the Holy Spirit says, "Go go tell that young man that his parents are praying for him, and they would welcome him back with open arms." And you speak that message to that young Spanish-speaking fellow, and he understands every word of it because it was God's will and you spoke in a tongue and he interpreted it the person who heard it interpreted verse 7 after saying they all heard him speak in their own language verse 7 says and they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Apparently they were looked down upon. Is that right? Probably yeah. non-Jews, yeah. Yeah. at least a couple hundred miles north of Jerusalem. Okay. And now we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. These guys are speaking the language that we know from our homeland. How are they doing it? By the gift of tongues. Parthians and Medes and Elamites. Here you got uh, Iraq and, and Iran. And the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. Even got some people in there that's pretty good at math. I segued into one of our podcasts, our, our, our pagan podcast. No, it's not pagan. Our, uh, our view is just everybody just stop, stop taking offense, you know. If you say, oh, there goes a redneck, you know, he's, I see him, I know where he lives. He parks in two muddy ruts in his front yard. And, and you should see, yeah, you should see that truck. Yeah, um, well, I guess I got to own that. 
if I want if I wasn't comfortable being who I am, I would change it. So, yeah, I think that you know, taking offense too easily, that's, that's just a, a real plague in our society today. Verse 10, Phrygia and, and Pamphylia and Egypt and in parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. When the Holy Spirit enables someone with the gift of tongues to communicate to others, he's not giving you a weather report. He's, well, unless there's a hurricane coming and he doesn't want you to get killed in it. He's given you the truth of the gospel. Verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Well, you can imagine. That was very strange to all these folks. Because, see, they can't talk to each other. They're only speaking to others who speak their language but all of them are responding to the message of the apostles. Verse 13. Others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. Now, if you look up that oinos and new wine, you have a lot of uh, Pentecostals and many Southern Baptists, Church of God Cleveland, and they want to tell you that when they drank wine in the Bible, it was just grape juice. And that um, it hadn't fermented. And it was new. Okay, Pentecost. This is happening in the spring of the year. That's when Pentecost happens. Then and now, and I guess always. And so basically, any grape juice that they would have had would have fermented by then because because know. Reverend Welch hadn't figured out how to keep it from doing that <laughs> and that's a true story he was a pastor and he wanted to have grape juice for his congregation for communion and he came up with a way to stop the fermentation and the juice still tastes good so um, but they didn't do that then it was all wine it was alcoholic wine. Even the new wine. They're mocking them saying they're full of new wine. Well, it wasn't aged. Jesus talks about the aged wine in one of the Gospels, maybe more than one. I think it's in Luke, and it might be in five, but people prefer the, the old wine. And still today, you know, they're going to charge up there for a bottle of wine. It better be a decade or more old, right? Because the new wine's cheap. So this stuff here was probably... Well, they were accusing them of being full of uh, Boone's Farm, I guess. Because that's new wine. Something that's fermented, yes. But it's not aged. So new wine would make you drunk. 
that's you know something to understand and realize. So we have in in Acts chapter two, and I wasn't setting out to do this. It's just kind of presented itself. We have a couple of pretty large chinks in the armor of certain doctrine that many Christians follow. The Pentecostal doctrine on the tongues issue. And they say that you have to speak in tongues to prove that you have received the Holy Spirit. They call it initial evidence in the Pentecostal circles. You know, the initial evidence is, you know, you come up out of the water and you're speaking in tongues. Because if you don't speak in tongues, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit, they say. Well, what about in John chapter 20 when Jesus gave all of the disciples the Holy Spirit? No tongue speaking there. Well, it wasn't called for. They all understood each other. Those gifts would come when they were needed. When they were out and about in places that don't speak the language. Like Gunton Park, for instance. Right, Bob? See. <laughs> teasing Bob um, yeah we were watching a documentary about this, this old snooker nine ball player we like a lot um, he's passed on now but these British were sitting there trying to hear this Cockney London accent it's, it might as well be Spanish you know what they're saying most of the time I said this thing needs subtitles of course it does but um yeah, so people can talk quite differently, and when it's needed, you know, the Holy Spirit enables. So, um, the wine thing. New wine's supposed to be grape juice, but apparently, according to the Holy Spirit, these uh, men who were mocking them suggested they were full of new wine. And that's probably what the drunkards would drink, is the cheap stuff, just like today. <laughs> buddy of mine, Odell Umbarger, he, we were talking, he said, uh, you know Odell Umbarger? You know everybody. And we drove trucks together for years, rode motorcycles. He says, uh, yeah, my mom was uh, making a big old dinner she got from one of the ladies at church and wanting to follow that recipe and it's had wine in it. And she said that the lady church said it's got it in there but there won't be any alcohol in it when it's done cooking. And that's true. And says, yes, yeah, so, you know, don't worry about that. You know. So he said, it's real good. And I said, Mom, you, you, did you do the wine like you're supposed to? And she said, well, yes. You do with the rest of it. You use the whole bottle. Well, you're not going to know where it's at. So he said, I'll find it. So when she was away, he starts looking around and all the cabinets. I found it under the kitchen sink behind all the cleaning supplies. He said she baked that dish with Mad Dog 2020. Oh, my God. <laughs> New wine. And it will make you drunk. Yeah. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. 
For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. So Peter's using the hour of the day as a reason. You wouldn't be drunk yet. They probably get drunk later on, but not yet. Verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm not saying Peter said that the apostles would get drunk, but just people did. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel said in the last days when did the last days begin you could take this to mean they began when Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit brought gifts and we've had a couple thousand years of last days but you have the former reign and the latter reign and the length of each could vary. At the time Jesus became flesh to dwell among men, there had been about 4,000 years elapsed since the creation of the world. The world's not millions of years old. Uh, Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis and the uh, Creation Museum it will put the rest that big time. There he is. Yeah. How are you? How are you doing? Any old where you want to sit, I guess Forrest will get you a cup of coffee. Did you see him? No, I didn't. Coming in. How y'all doing? We're doing okay. About to sit. We're in the book of Acts. Okay. And uh, sure. I'm okay. Chapter two. Chapter two. Um, but this, you know, Peter is saying this is what was spoken of of the prophet Joel. Um, and that's in verse 16 of chapter 2. And it said that God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And that this is when it began. It began then. And humanity has had access to God's Holy Spirit ever since that day of Pentecost and the church was created and these days are the last days John the Apostle wrote little children this is the last hour well great day that was coming upon 2,000 years ago what does that mean 
Well, the Bible tells us that with God a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And that's in uh, Hosea 6, Ray. Is that where that is? You're the one who's telling me about it. About the, uh, the first day, the second day. I'm going to see if I can find that in my cheater Bible here. This is the NIV. Well, you know, you have to uh, have cheat notes and all this stuff. And then, of course, you know, you can get struck by lightning by reading the NIV too much. Hook it up with some coffee there. That's what happened. That must have been it. Okay, what's the matter with me? I can't find the book. When I said cheater Bible, I also was referring to these little dog ears on the page there where I can find my uh, um, different books that I'm looking for. Hosea 6, chapter 6, verse 2. Okay, let me find that. I did have it marked. I thought I did. Second Peter 3, 8. About a day is a thousand years. No, there's something interesting in Hosea 6, and it goes. I'll just start at the beginning, and this is the NIV. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. When are those two days? If a day is as a thousand years, the first two thousand years. And aren't we looking up, staring that down both barrels right now? We are. And what's this third day that he would restore us that we may live in his presence. We are raised up. The resurrection. The millennial age. He sets his throne in Jerusalem. King David is a prince in this heavenly administration. Ezekiel talks about David being a prince. Wait a minute, David was a king. Not in the millennial age. There's one king. So, if the Apostle John says, this is the last hour, little children, <laughs> it's the last hour of a day, you could say. Things are, things are unfolding. One day is as a thousand years. Realize, too, that the Holy Spirit knew and knows the timing of things. God knew when we were given this uh, scripture that we would be reading it and using it for, well, 2,000 years now. And if you look at the Old Testament prior to that, might as well say more than 3,000. So the prophecies that are in there, well, think about Isaiah 11. 
Isaiah chapter 11. How many centuries went by when people read these words? 11 and verse 10. And know too that the Jewish people for millennia would say next year in Jerusalem they would keep their feasts and they would pray and they would say next year in Jerusalem. How many thousands and thousands and thousands of times did they say that on these feast days, you know? All the Jewish people. Verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, now this is Jesus Christ, because he is of the lineage of David, and uh, Jesse was David's father, right? In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. See if your mom will bring soda water to me for it. Let's look at that verse again. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Jesus will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations, plural, will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious on the throne in Jerusalem. Verse 11, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant. What happened on the first time? He sent them into Babylon. Sent them into Babylon for many, many years. But then Cyrus, the king of Persia, put out a decree to let the Jewish people go back to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding the city. This was Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, they're building a wall first so they can you know, get that up so that the, uh, the temple and everything could be built in the city. And he said they, they, would, they had one hand on their sword and one hand laying bricks when they were doing this. But that was the first time that they were regathered mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. Excuse me for reaching, I'm sorry. Thank you, babe. That was the first time. This verse refers to a second time. Let's read that again. Verse 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Babylon. No, it doesn't even mention Babylon. Babylonia does, actually. But this is Assyria, and then from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. This was a worldwide dispersion of the Jewish people, but the prophecy says they'll be gathered back to Jerusalem, back to their city. How many years was there not of Jerusalem? Long time. There was no temple. There was no Jerusalem to speak of. Um, So, 
there were a lot of prophecies that you could just look and say, well, this can't be fulfilled because there's no Israel. There's no Jerusalem. How can, and people began to try to think ahead of God and say, well, this is metaphorical. You know, this is just allegory. But, lo and behold, May the 14th, 1948, we got a 48 model Ford tractor. Its name's Jacob because that tractor was built the year Israel became a nation again. So, prophecy was fulfilled. There are people out there claiming to be Christians, claiming to serve the Lord. And they'll look straight at Israel and say, that's nothing. That's just a coincidence. That's not a fulfillment of prophecy. That's like a slap in the face to God. It makes you wonder where their hearts and minds and souls and spirits are. So the um, fulfilled prophecy is what proves the Bible's true. There's all kinds of religious books, but none like this. This is not a religious book. This is a treatise from the Lord, the one who made you. You know? I had a friend one time, an atheist, said, well, you know, if God wants to prove that he's God and say something why didn't he just write it across the sky my first answer was wouldn't it be better to just have it in a book that you could put on your lap and read instead of craning your neck up but let's look at Psalm 19 but when somebody decides they're not going to believe it doesn't matter what you say you can't convince them. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. So God did write it in the heavens. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. You know, the American Indians, Native Americans. Which, by the way, I learned something. I was a Blackfoot Indian artist who designed the logo for the Washington Redskins. He painted that. His tribe and his immediate family couldn't have been prouder. And then the cancel culture, white liberals, which Malcolm X warned about the white liberals, and if you listen to anything he said in the 60s, he was dead on the money. Dead on the money, everything he said. They killed him. Oh, we got to get rid of that uh, redskin. Here's the thing about a ball team. You don't name yourself after some lame 
you know, entity. You name, you know, if you're going to name a ball team, you got to be something bad in the bone. You're, you're the Raiders, you know. You're, you're, you're the, the Falcons. You're, you know, something, something cool. The Mariners, you know. Um, Eagles. Huh? Eagles. Sure, the Eagles. You, you don't. And they named that after the Redskins because that was something to fear. And they said, we want you to fear our team. And these Native Americans that you all call Redskins are going to kick your butt. They should have kept the name and just put a potato up there. Redskin uh, potatoes. <laughs> no, and it's no different what the white liberals did to Aunt Jemima. Oh, Her family was, was broken hearted. They were proud. She she invented that. That those, those mixes. What do they do? White liberals? Get her off of there. In the land of lakes. The butter. Okay, you got that's what they did. The land of lakes, there is an Indian chief in the middle of the land of lakes. We've all seen that, right? You don't see that Indian chief there anymore. He can't be there. White liberals, but the the land they did to Uncle Ben's. The land on the land of lakes, it still says land of lakes, and there's a lake and land and no Indian. And somebody wrote. That's just like white people. Take away the Indian and keep the land. That's funny. <laughs> but it's true. You know? That co- was it guy, Cousin T? Yeah. And uh, he said, cancel me. He, he's, he's a black fella. He started his own pancake thing. You know? He said, he's, he's got his picture on the front of the box. We've got some. Yeah. He's, you know, he said, come on. Cancel me. You know, it's my company. Try to get me to take my picture off the box of my pancake. <laughs> It's insane, though. And that's what has happened. But, you know, look at Psalm chapter 2. What is that? Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And it reads this way. Why do the nations conspire? And I think your King James is going to say, why do the heathen rage? Yes. You got to read that for us. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set, set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. In the next verse. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. And verse says, then... Shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure? Okay. He's going to have them in derision. They're trying to to break the bands. They're trying to break free from the God that made them. They're trying to operate out from under his radar as if that were even possible. And God laughs. And he, he that sits in the heavens, the one enthroned in heaven, laughs. The NIV says the Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. He's going to have them in derision. Here we are. Here we are. Fighting over stupid things. Whose picture is on a box of rice or pancakes or a cake of butter? We're going to eat the picture anyway. <laughs> 
it, it, it's just unreal where we have arrived. The transgender uh, swim team that they got, they all call them the big nitwits. Well, here's the thing. Most of America sees this. They, you know, most of America sees that this is insane. They only try to defend it now. Some of the people who formerly did, they're stepping away. Like, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't defending this. Have you heard about the, okay, we're going to cancel books in the library. That's what you hear on the mainstream channels. Oh, these people are trying to you know, cancel books, just like the Nazis. Book burners they are. Have well, you they're trying to change the name of the military base now, Fort Hood. They're going to change Fort Bragg for some reason, too, yeah. or wanting to. But what, this, uh, these books, there are two books that these liberals are wanting to put in school libraries. The first one is called Gender Queer, and the second one is called Lone Boy. If any sane person saw what was in that book, Gender Queer, they would not defend that book being in any library where a child could get their hands on it because there are all these cartoon drawings of homosexual sex down to the detail and different ways of homosexual sex. The Bible says it's a shame to even speak of the things they do, so you, you, know, you know what they do. A book with these drawings in it and the main character in the gender queer book, he's this young man and he's just falling in love with this older man and they're doing all this stuff. This is acceptable to be in our schools? No. Lone boy? Lone boy, this perverted man, watches this little boy go through the neighborhood pushing a mower, pushing, you know, mowing grass for, you know, a little bit of spare money. And he kind of lures him in with some lemonade and starts talking to him and next thing you know, he stirred up this quote-unquote relation. This guy is a pedophile. Yep. And it is glorifying pedophilia, the book Lone Boy. You still think that belongs in school? No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Nor does any book describing heterosexual sex. Teachers shouldn't be going there. They should state farm was going to send all those books to schools. Yes, yeah, forty-eight hours they backed down. Well, they should have because I didn't know that, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, they were going to buy copies of these books. This is what happens when a CEO gets behind a cause he hadn't looked into very closely. Because if you see those pictures, that's in that particularly that genderqueer book. No one, I know, gay men who would be quick to tell you that does not belong in school. It's, it's pornography. That's what it is. The drawings are of everything you'd show if you took all your clothes off. It is sick. Sodom and Gomorrah were probably destroyed for a whole lot less. You know, Billy Graham once said, if God doesn't soon judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We've gotten bad. And it isn't just America, it's the whole world. <laughs> but the church is here. God's people are here. 
and we need to keep the light on. We need to keep, not, you know, don't hide it under a bushel basket. Put it up where people can see it. Speak out for the Lord. Speak out for truth. And stand against it. Expose these evil acts. We are supposed to do that. We are supposed to call them out. You can do it with tact, but you have to do it. I like what Winston Churchill apparently said. Uh, tact is telling someone to go to hell in such a clever way they look forward to the trip. <laughs> but I don't want to tell anybody to go to hell. I do want to tell people about Jesus Christ. I do want to tell them that as long as they've got breath in their lungs, they can confess their sins and call on Him to be saved. But it's starting to get ugly, folks. It's starting to get real ugly out there. And, and the, the people that are pushing this stuff, they're not really politicians. Sometimes they use politicians, sometimes they don't. But they push. And we need to pray against it as long as we're here. I think the Lord's going to take us out of here soon. We must be close. Busy bodies. Busy bodies. And Jews. I saw this librarian quote-unquote, from somewhere in Georgia. She had made some post and had a picture of her. Was, I'm just going to say it was difficult to tell if this was a man or a woman. And I guess she, he, it, they, them were intending that it be like that. And um, the person says uh, something to the effect that uh, because people are, be, people are really starting to say now, we've got to arm these staff at schools. We need armed guards. And there are plenty of, of retired veterans that would go there, you know, for a four-hour shift, six hours, whatever. They would go there and guard those children. They would. And happily so. But these people would rather have the issue than the solution. Absolutely. There was a, the last school shooting in Israel happened in 1973. You know why? Because they said, no more of that. You know, you walk into this place with a gun intent on killing, you ain't going to make it far. Because we got armed teachers, we've got armed guards, these doors are locked. My granddaughters go down here to Granite Christian. Pretty much all of the teachers have handguns on the principal too when they go in to the school they lock the doors they're bolted you can't get in you can't get in and if you do get in you ain't gonna get far and it's a shame of course that things have to be that way but you can't make evil go away you could take every gun you could wave a wand and there's none in the whole world anymore and somebody that wants to kill kids, well, they'll just run a U-Haul truck through the wire fence while they're out there on the playground and just start running over. They've, this has been done, right? Mm -hmm. It's been done. 
God forbid they go in with a chainsaw. You know, there's ways to kill if that's what you want to do. You go in with a can of gasoline and a lighter. The whole theory today is they want to get rid of our guns so they can take over America. No, that's, the Chinese that's, are pushing it. Sure, Absolutely. but they're not going to get America, they're not going to get the guns over. His red agent girlfriend. Talking about Mitch McConnell. No, oh, Swalwell. Eric Swalwell. Yeah, well, Mitch McConnell's got a. Well, that's Elaine Chow from she, yeah. Secretary of Transportation. And she's got this this shipping company, and and she's Chinese. Yeah, I know. I, she I is. mean, and there's some there's some unscrupulous stuff that's going on there. Absolutely. We can't fix it. It's going to take the Lord Jesus he Christ. And there's bunches of them up there. You know, and, and when you call one of them on it, they say, well, look at them Democrats over there and what they're doing. And you catch a Democrat and they say, well, what about the Republicans over there doing? Hey, look, two wrongs don't make a right. Yes, they're all involved. And they're all corrupt to their eyeballs. Absolutely. And the ones that aren't can't stand to be there. They leave. They just get out. Because we've had some good people just say, I can't, I can't make it here. You know, I'm not selling my soul to the devil to function in this United States government. So, it's going to take the return of God to to sort this out properly. And he will. He says he would. It's written here too. And I've decided a while back, if it's not between the pages of Genesis and Revelation, I'm going to look at it very skeptically. I, I am. I don't care what the news channel is. There are so many lies on all these networks. And you turn one on, they say, this is happening. And the other, you flip the channel and they say, nope, that's not it, this over here. And pretty soon, you, it's like you know, watching a tennis match. You don't know what to believe is going to happen next. So you throw your, I don't know, in a way, I, I wonder if that's not intentional. To sure just confuse us. To get us so confused and angry. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants to turn the American people on each other. And he uses his tool set, his toolkit. He does it. He's got a big old tackle box. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're up against. Um, I kind of went a different way with the last part of this, but I felt kind of inspired to say these things, I guess. Um, Pray for the saints. Pray for the saints more than you pray for people that are not saved. You can pray for people that are not saved that they'll get the message. If you've been praying for very long, they probably already have. But one thing we know, God will not reach down and touch someone and reverse their free will. He will not change their heart for the sake of someone who loves them, he just won't do it. Ultimately, we must love him above all. There's no one here that we have that we love, that we would have, if not for God. You love the giver, not the gift. You know? Praise cold. He needs one of them uh, Mother Teresa blankets. Oh. Nah, we're about to wrap. I think, uh, yeah, I'm a little over an hour. That's probably scorched. I'll turn it off. 
So we pray for each other. We remember each other. We see someone walking down the street, we can pray for them. Do what you can. Try to help them. We were packed in that Pontiac, and it was pouring rain. Just a couple of years ago, remember this? I was going down 4th Street, coming into town. This poor fella, he's walking along. It was like he was taking a shower. He was just sucked. And I had an umbrella. I asked your mom, I said, stop the car. And she did, and I just handed it out the window. I didn't say nothing to him, just handed him an umbrella. I went off. Is that the guy that got hit by lightning about two minutes later? Yeah, Bob, that's really funny. But hey, if it, it was God's will, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to sing my own praises. I was just saying little things like that can make a difference. It can make a difference to someone. Yeah. By the way, Fran is not going to have to have neck surgery. Good. She said to tell you on that. Well, good. That's good to hear. I saw her this morning. Well, there's been several praises on this uh, on this night, and um, how's everyone in your house? Doing fine, thank the Lord. I, I just give him the praise. You do? Yes. Amen. And whatever aches and pains we have, God will take us through it. Yeah, the only reason we're hurt is because we're alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, let's have Reverend Davis close us. Father God, as we come to the close of this study, we actually look down upon the families in Texas, Lord. We ask that thou touch those mothers and fathers. Yes. Hard, Lord. There's no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. We don't know what they're going through, but we know they're struggling and they're suffering, Lord. But we know that all power is in your hands, that you are able to heal the wounds, Lord. Comfort them, Lord. Watch over them, Lord. And Father, we ask that thou bless our country. Bless our state. Bless our president. Bless this whole world. We are your creation. You created us. Help us to do your will, yes, Lord, yes. not the devil's will. No. And he's trying every way he can yes, he to get in and to destroy us, yes, Lord, he is. and turn us against each other. That's right. But you said, love one another as I have loved you. And Father, we know that prayer changes things. Father, thank you. Because when you see people walking down the street or going through stuff, and you say, Lord, help them, Lord. We don't know if they ever realize that someone is praying for them. But we know you answer prayers. Yes. Because you brought us from a mighty, mighty long ways. And we're not here because we've been so good or because we're perfect, but because of your love and your mercy, Lord. Bless us, Lord. Bless our families. Help us to continue to lift you up, give you the honor and the glory, and let your light shine in our lives. Yes, Lord. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.